Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Chronicles chapter 18 from the World English Bible. After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and took Gath and its towns out of the hand of the Philistines. He defeated Moab, and the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobah, to Hamath, as he went to establish his dominion by the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 7,000 horsemen, and 20,000 footmen, and David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but reserved of them enough for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck 22,000 men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. Yahweh gave victory to David wherever he went. David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. From Tibhath and from Kun, cities of Hadadezer, David took very much bronze, with which Solomon made the bronze sea, the pillars, and the vessels of bronze. When To, king of Hamath, heard that David had struck all the army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent Hadaram his son to King David to greet him and to bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and struck him, for Hadadezer had wars with To. And he had with him all kinds of vessels of gold and silver and bronze. King David also dedicated these to Yahweh with the silver and the gold that he carried away from all the nations, from Edom, from Moab, from the children of Ammon, from the Philistines, and from Amalek. Moreover, Abishai the son of Zeruah struck 18,000 of the Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became servants to David. Yahweh gave victory to David wherever he went. David reigned over all Israel, and he executed justice and righteousness for all his people. Joab, the son of Zeruah, was over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulad, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitab, and Abimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests. Shavshah was scribe, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and the sons of David were chief officials serving the king. That is the end of chapter 18. The first obvious question here is why is David doing battle against all of these different people groups? And you can find the same account in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. Simply referring to verses 6 and 13, where it says Yahweh gave David victory wherever he went, shows us that we are to see this in a positive light and as blessed by God. But it's still war, so we wonder things. So I thought through a couple of things we know from the biblical account already. Number one, God only subdues the nations in evil rebellion. He even does this with Israel after he gives them lots of chances to repent. 
But all of these nations are well known to be in rebellion, to have pagan idols and all kinds of wicked practices in their civilizations. Two, these nations had been attacking Israel pretty consistently. The Philistines, for example, show up as early as Genesis 26.15, harassing Abraham. And then in Exodus 23.31, God tells Moses to avoid the Philistines so as not to discourage the new nation of Israel. In Judges 10, God lets the Philistines have victory because of Israel's sin. And then, of course, we know of the battle with Goliath of the Philistines in 1 Samuel 17 that made David famous. The Moabites, those descendants of Lot's incestuous liaison with his oldest daughter in Genesis 19, were main players in the story of Balaam in Numbers 22. And although David's great-grandmother, Ruth, was from Moab, she had clearly denounced its pagan ways. Um, Her coming to Israel was not doing any kind of treaty with Moab. In 1 Samuel 12, Samuel lists Moab as among the nations that the Israelites have been delivered from when they're clamoring for a king. And in 1 Samuel 14, King Saul is fighting Moab. So that is in the recent past. So even though David seeks refuge with Moab for a bit in 1 Samuel 22, they were apparently back to the previous state of conflict by 2 Samuel 8 uh, slash 1 Chronicles 18. Now here in 1 Chronicles 18 in verse 3, There are two perspectives on who was going to establish his power by the river Euphrates, David or Hadadezer. The scenario seems to suggest Hadadezer is the aggressor, especially taken together with the reaction of King Toh in verse 9, where he is expressing his gratitude to King David for getting Hadadezer under control. And then we get to the apparently problematic verse 4, which at first glance seems to conflict with 2 Samuel 8.4. This is one of those places where people are quick to say there was a copy error, and skeptics often say, aha, gotcha, the Bible is not without error. So what's going on here? Well, first of all, some English translations of 2 Samuel 8.4, such as the American Standard Version and the World English Bible, say that there were 1,700 horsemen, and then the 20,000 soldiers or footmen are consistent throughout all of the translations. Some English translations say 1,000 chariots and 700 horsemen, but several resources say that the word chariots is not actually in 2 Samuel in the original manuscripts, but some translations such as the King James Version and the New King James Version transfer it from 1 Chronicles 18 since the texts seem nearly identical, so they assume that it goes there. And then we have here in 1 Chronicles 18.4 where it reads 1,000 chariots and 7,000 horsemen. As I said, explanations vary from the easy and slippery slope of copyist error to saying that maybe they are looking at this event from different time frames. For example, if the first report was when only 700 horsemen were there, but later it was 7,000. I don't find either of those satisfactory or convincing. As always, I believe the original Hebrew is available in enough copies to verify the true text. I mean, there are always people who are trying to corrupt it, but then God preserves enough to show us what he really has preserved for us. 
Plus, as I've said before, I do find over and over that there are things to be discovered by these apparent errors that don't end up being errors, but are a lack of understanding or just little nuggets for God to show us the details of what he is taking care of. I do admit I did not find anything clearly conclusive about this particular comparison of passages, but I think the more literal translation of 1,700 horsemen might be a clue to differences in perspective, though not a different perspective based on time, as I mentioned above. A few resources suggest that the category designations in the original language could be the key to this. So the 1,700 sometimes rendered 1,700, could be referring to captains over ranks, but in the total, as told in First Chronicles 18.4, it talks about 7,000. Since the 20,000 is solid and the writer had access to the writer of First Chronicles 18, had access to Second Samuel 8, it seems unlikely he was careless when he is precise in so much. Then there is the fact that the numbers are rounded, which gives a hint of orderly ranks and categories of legions and things like that in armies. So bottom line, I think there is still something that could be understood here that would make this all very clear and show that there is no copyist error. Let's back up just a moment and address 2 Samuel 8 too, because it bears on this story as well. And there in 2 Samuel it specifies that David had two-thirds of the Moabite soldiers killed. Remember, this was war. Here he has an enemy force that was bent on killing Israelites. They were ready to die in battle to do this thing for their country, for their nation, for their king, so to speak. And it does not say they surrendered, but that they were captured. So in a sense, he is destroying their army so that they cannot do these wicked things again. There is no reason to think this is vindictive or bloodthirsty. Then there's verse 4 where it talks about hamstringing the horses, which sends shudders up the backs of any animal lovers. Now, hamstring does not mean necessarily killed, although it has become a, an idiom for that. It more technically means to cripple. Now, also in Joshua 11.6, this was done at God's command, and also keep in mind the uh, admonition to kings in Deuteronomy 17 that Moses says they were not to build up their strength with horses. They were supposed to rely on God. So it is quite possible that David was doing this to honor that injunction. Now, the King James Version uses an old-fashioned word called hode. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it also does not mean to kill, but means to render useless for work. Interestingly, this is the same Hebrew word that is translated to pluck up in Ecclesiastes 3.2 in the famous There's a Time for Everything passage. And in that sense, it tends to refer to plants, but it seems to be used metaphorically there. Then we have Genesis 49.6, where this Hebrew word is part of the father Israel's last words to his sons, specifically Simeon and Levi, who don't get a very good showing. They are described as instruments of cruelty, particularly for hamstringing or laming an ox in self-will, or I looked that up, it can basically means just because it sounded like fun. So back to First Chronicles 18, the, the Syrians weren't getting the picture about David being victorious, so they came to help had it easier. 
We don't have timestamps given in this list, but it is clearly showing how victorious David was. So they also became his servants. And here in verse 6, it emphasizes, as I mentioned, that Yahweh is the one giving the victory. Notice that most of these enemies were subdued under his rule. Most of them didn't end up killed like Moab. There was, seems to be a specific reason why David did that there. So these people who are subdued under his rule would have come under what is said in verse 14 about David administering judgment and justice to all his people. To the king of Hamath, is wiser than Syrians as he thanks David for quelling those enemies, and he brought gifts. And in verse 8, we saw that King David took the spoils of bronze, and also in verses 10 through 11, the gifts that King To gave him, all of which were set aside for Yahweh. So we have here the continuation of the theme of the priesthood and the temple in Chronicles. Then there's almost what seems like an addendum or a PS of how Abishai David's sister's son, so his nephew, conquered Edom. And this chapter concludes stating unequivocally that David reigned over all Israel, listing what in contemporary terms we might call his court or cabinet of advisors or managers. The two priests are probably mentioned because, as we noted before, the tabernacle is in a different location, but the ark is being kept in Jerusalem. And then we have the mysterious Cherethites and Pelethites who get special mention again. And we talked about them previously. They're, they are brought up in 1 Samuel 30, 2 Samuel 8, 2 Samuel 15, and 2 Samuel 20. And then the chapter ends with this line about David's sons helping the king. And so Chronicles here does not go into all the drama that's only covered in 2 Samuel through 1 Kings chapter 2, where finally Solomon has to deal with Adonijah, his brother who seems to be trying to gain access to the throne. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 